Hello and welcome to another edition of Around the Nest. Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. We're going to talk with the Vancouver Canadians and Jordy Cunningham steps in for Rob Fay Nation. Got a lot to talk about with Vancouver one game up, 10 games to go in the regular season in the Northwest League. They're trying to hold things on. Meanwhile, the New Hampshire Fishercats are right there looking to sew up a playoff berth and secure their spot against the Trenton Thunder in the Eastern League playoffs. And the Bluefield Blue Jays did punch their tickets. They're into the postseason. Bluefield will be taking on Princeton. There's a lot going on. The single-A Lansing Lugnuts punched their tickets in the first half of the year. So we know there's, at the very least, two teams. Likely soon to be three, maybe soon to be four Blue Jays affiliates will all be into the postseason. Let's begin this week speaking with Jordy Cunningham of the Vancouver Canadians. Jordy, how are you? Good, how are you, Jesse? I'm doing well. It's good to have you here. Vancouver's playing a nooner today. Let's talk about your C's. Tens times, one game up, ten games to go. Take me through the playoff picture. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's They have a good chance here. It's, it's scary that Spokane won 18-4 to last night, and our C's have been struggling a little bit lately, but they still have a great chance of clinching this playoff berth here. All right, so with the Canadians as of late, let me ask you about some specific guys. Let's begin with Josh Winkowski, the big 20-year-old, the reigning Northwest League pitcher of the week the last two weeks. What have you seen from him? He has been unbelievable for the Canadians lately and so much fun to watch. Like you said, pitcher of the week last two weeks. He leads the league in ERA with a 229 ERA and is third with 57 Ks, and he's been awesome. In August, he's thrown 19 and a third shutout innings and three starts. What has made him so effective on the mound? He's just his demeanor. He only has four walks and 22 Ks in the month of August. Like he's he's been dominating hitters. It's just he's like kind of a I'm going to get you out attitude every time. <laughs> I love it. And now let me ask you about some 2018 draft picks. First, Chris Beck, who was a fifth rounder, a catcher. You've been impressed by his batting eye, haven't you? Yeah, lately he has six walks in his last two games. And then just looking at the numbers, he leads the team with a. 356 on base percentage and he's kind of gotten more comfortable in in Vancouver month by month his his batting average was in the low 200s in June he was kind of mid 200s in uh July and now he's batting 351 in August so it's been a big jump for him in August he's been batting really well he has 14 walks in the month of August which is far and away his best best month and he can steal bases as well there's a lot to like about Beck a 2018 second-rounder, Griffin Conine. There's a lot of attention on him, more so than Chris. But Griffin Conine had been sliding recently. Slump uh, snapped? Slump is over? Uh, yeah, a little bit. The other night in uh, Tri-City, he went three for five with a double and three RBIs. It was a blowout loss, unfortunately, but it was a good positive for him to get out of his slump for sure. What have you seen from Griffin Conine recently in terms of simply what have you observed and uh, what he's battling through? just taking his head off the ball a little bit. It seems like it's something I've noticed most of the year when he has struggled is he's, he swings at the pitch and his head is looking down the right field foul line when he's swinging. Like he's just taking his eye off the ball sometimes and that's where he struggles. And he struggles with off speed sometimes as well. All right, let's go to the bullpen and tell me about Justin Watts. He's been a pleasant surprise for the Canadians all year long. He's perfect out of the bullpen, 4-0. And he's has he has a three ERA in 17 games on the year and at least a strikeout in every appearance. He's been awesome. 40 strikeouts in 29 and two thirds innings for them. 
It's the Canadians and the Boise Hawks today, stretching through the weekend. And the left-hander, Randy Pondler, last year's Appalachian League Pitcher of the Year, is on the mound. Let's wrap up with this. What have you seen from Mr. Pondler this season? He's pitched well all year long, despite his 4-4 record. At the start of the year, he pitched very well, and just the team couldn't score runs for him. Now he's won four of his last five starts, and he hasn't lost since since mid-July. His demeanor on the mound has been unbelievable, and he's getting batters out consistently. And his ERA is 3.04 as well. It's right up there. So, yeah, he's been, he's been pitching unbelievable for the Canadians late. Jordy, how about you? How much have you enjoyed this Northwest League season? Oh, I've, I've loved it. This is my second year with the Canadians, and I love working here. It's so much fun. It's fun following the team every day, and it's fun being the stringer this year as well on top of being in the media relations because I've, I'm watching every play. I have to pay attention to every play that happens and every quirky play that happens, every rundown that happens, every home run that happens. It's been fun to follow the team pitch by pitch all year long. At Cunningham Jordy on Twitter, the Canadians are playing a noon game today, and Rob Fay has the call. Jordy, please send along our best to Rob. Will do. Thank you so much for this. It's a lot of fun. Can't wait to do it again. Got it. And from Jordy Cunningham with the Vancouver Canadians, let's Jay talk down the ladder to the Appalachian League. Now let me bring in Zach Helton with the Bluefield Blue Jays. Zach, congratulations. You're going to the playoffs. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's, uh, it's so much fun here in Bluefield today. Uh, Grand Beaver, it's a huge high school football game, uh, top ten in the nation. That's tonight. That's kind of the reason we're going to Pulaski tonight because we share a parking lot with the Mitchell Stadium there. Uh, but it, this time of year is always high school football, but right now it's kind of a mix between high school football and Appy League baseball, and this area is buzzing, especially with the upcoming series next weekend with Princeton for the divisional title. It is going to be huge. The fun part with you, especially following Jordy, Jordy's from Vancouver, so he grew up with the Canadians. You grew up with Appalachian League baseball, so does that make this an unusual year where high school football is about to start, it's football season, and that everybody's saying, no, we are in with this Appy League season? Yeah, it is, uh, it is one of those just magical years sports-wise here in the area. High school football is always king here, and there's always great teams, uh, both sides of the Bluefields, the Virginia side and the West Virginia side, competing for a state title this year. And Mitchell Stadium right down the parking lot from Bowen Field always filled up ten to 12,000 people for this Mitchell, uh, for this Beaver-Graham game. And uh, Princeton and Bluefield here in Mercer County are buzzing because of baseball. And uh, next weekend, I tell you what, Princeton uh, has got the Mercer Cup, which is always kind of coveted because uh, usually you don't see these two teams in the playoffs. One's really good, one's kind of so-so or or really downtrodden. Usually the farm will kind of scoop up uh, one or the other. Uh, You know, Princeton may come through and get all the good guys and move them up. But this year, both teams' nucleuses have uh, stayed the same, and they've battled all year. And really, no blowouts, uh, maybe one or two. But uh, the seven-four Princeton series in the head-to-head has been close all year, and the three-game series beginning next Friday is going to be close, which could be interesting. We both teams have six games with a three-game set in Pulaski beginning tonight, and then at Burlington to finish the regular season. There's still a chance that Bluefield could be the one seed and host the final two games of that series. But uh, next weekend, uh, going to be great nonetheless. I first saw about the postseason awards when it was sent out by Justin, the voice of Greenville, who's a good friend. And he noted in his, 
He's the voice of the Reds. He said, snub, Eric Pardino left off. That said, you got three Bluefield Blue Jays on the postseason All-Star team. Yeah, the three that are solidified on the list, Kirk, Stevenson, and Rakowski, all well-deserving. Do not want to take anything from those guys. But Pardino definitely was a sub. I think the only thing that hurt Eric was some of the outings. He didn't get the run support he needed. Uh, those first couple of outings, he was 0 for 2. Uh, I know he pitched like a two-run ball game early in the year and, did, and no run support. He was shut out on the other end, and it was maybe a one-run ball game in game two and just did not get the run support. That's been one of the problems with Pardino's starts. I think uh, Pardino could have been a six-win guy this season had he got the run support. But his uh, last outing at Bowen Field, that almost perfect game, that just showed uh, not only the people in the Appalachian League, but the people looking outside uh, in the Jays organization in minor league and professional baseball period, that Eric Pardino is going to be here for a while, and you better look out for him because he, he throws a heavy ball, he's a young kid, and he's just every, every day at the ballpark, every day I see him, he's got a smile from ear to ear. And he is just happy to be there. And when you're happy to be somewhere, whether it's on the ballpark or at work, you're going to, you're going to produce, and Eric Pardino is going to do just that, not just the, this coming week and next weekend in the playoffs, but for years to come. And I hope he stays a Blue Jay. Let's shed some spotlight and show some love to your three All-Stars. Let's begin with Sean Rakowski. Rakowski has been such a dominant force out of the pen. Seven and three on the year. There's been some ball games. Uh, we've been in a pinch, and he's came in and closed the door, and we've ended up getting the win for him. Six saves on the year. That's among the top in the league lead as well with a 3.42 ERA. He's a big, lanky kid. He's got a big, big follow-through. It's like you're <laughs> standing at the plate looking at him. is like he's throwing the ball from about – 30 feet away, and he throws hard. So you better be on it. You better know what's coming before you swing the bat because Rakowski is going to blow it by you, and it's coming at you quick and coming at you very close. And uh, he's been a force out of the pen. We've had a great bullpen this year, but he has done a lot. He and Brad Wilson both have closed a lot of ball games and uh, kept us right where we are, top of the league and the top of the division all summer long. Next, Alejandro Kirk. Kirk, uh, I tell you what, he's one of the more fun players to watch in the Appy League. He goes a thousand percent every swing. He's listed about five eight two twenty, and all of that goes into every swing. It doesn't matter if it's a two zero count or an zero two count. He is looking to destroy a baseball. He has all year three fifty five average, four thirty seven on base and a 533 slugging. That's all splitting time between DH and catcher. Uh, you know, anybody will be pleased to have a DH and a catcher with those numbers. Nine home runs, 55 RBIs. He and Wonder Franco, the Appalachian League Player of the Year, have been battling the top of that RBI number all year. He's currently in second. Franco had a, like a four RBI game the other night to take the lead. So Kirk's down, I think, two RBIs in the league lead right now. But uh, a big night. He can uh, take that right back over. And finally, Cal Stevenson. Stevenson was uh, a kind of a late ad for us. Uh, he, he came in, I think maybe there was about two weeks into the season, and, and I was 
when I did my prep before the season, uh, you know, I really didn't look too far down the chain. I thought we're going to stay with this team and maybe make a couple of runs, but a couple of changes. But, I, you know, I, I didn't really look that far down to Stevenson. When he showed up, I thought, boy, am I stupid. Why wasn't I looking more into Cal Stevenson? He <laughs> got off the bus in Bluefield, and he took this uh, outfield to another level. Him, Dom, and both DJs have played tremendous this year, and Cal has uh, has done a, a load of work, leads the league in runs, leads the league in walks. It, it seems like every time the kid gets on, something is about to happen. He's one of those guys, uh, Dan Patrick from the Dan Patrick Show, has the term bathroom can wait. When this guy comes up to the plate or you've got a shootout or something, you can wait to go to the bathroom. Cal Stevenson, same way. You're going to wait until he gets on and gets home before you go to the bathroom, 372 average, 502 on base, 523 slugging, and uh, he is fearless in the outfield. Will dive after everything, will run into walls, and uh, not a bad arm as well. He's uh, he's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I just I'm I'm trying to bottle these guys up, Kirk Stevenson and Rakowski, along with uh, all the other Blue Jays, because a lot of these guys are not going to be in Bluefield very much longer. I'm hoping they'll just stay for the push uh, and uh, get that ring before they head out. But uh, these ball games coming up, we got six to go with two back behind Princeton. Um, you know, uh, want to gain some momentum on to the playoff push. But uh, some of these games, especially this Princeton series, come up. It's going to be some of the bigger games a lot of these guys have played, and uh, I think uh, the guys with uh, who can handle it the best are going to come out on top. It's going to be fun to watch. Going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Bluefieldjays.com against Pulaski over the weekend, then at Burlington, and then playoff time. The Bluefield Blue Jays representing the Appalachian League, the Toronto Blade Jays affiliate, and Zach Helton is their voice. Zach, thank you very much for sharing your time today. Jesse, thank you so much, as, as always, for having me, and uh, go Blue Jays. Right, and enjoy the football down in Bluefield. Let me bring in now Tyler Murray, voice of the people, talking AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats, who, by the way, know a little something about postseason All-Stars. Not one, not two, not three. Tyler, six postseason Fisher Cats All-Stars in the Eastern League roster. Jesse, it's incredible, and uh, thanks again for having us on, putting everything together. Yeah, six out of the possible 14 All-Star selections, and uh, we were doing some uh, some light digging into the record books along with uh, the Eastern League, and not since the, the Eastern League went to 12 teams in 1999 has there been anything close to one team with almost half of the All-Stars at the end of the season. And for the Fisher Cats in particular, if you go from 2012 until last year, so a six-year period, they only had one previous full-season All-Star. That was Rowdy Telez for a phenomenal 2016 here in AA. So to have six in one year, incredible, and having four of those guys still with this team, it gives you a, a pretty good idea of how deep this uh, the squad can go in the postseason. Before we get into the All-Stars, like I was talking to Zach Helton about how Eric Pardino could have made it four could Travis Bergen have made it seven? Really good point. Travis Bergen and I think uh, TJ Zoik, two pitchers who certainly deserved all-star consideration. And I can tell you they both got plenty of votes. But the way it works in the Eastern League, they give you, and this is a lot of minor leagues, they give you one spot for a right-handed starter, one spot for a left-handed starter, and one spot for a reliever. So it really is elite 
to be on that list, and Jordan Romano was the right-handed selection uh, in the Eastern League. I thought T.J. Zoic uh, deserved it uh, equally as much, but you look at what Romano was able to do starting the season, uh, 9-0, and starting the All-Star game for the Eastern Division. But Travis Bergen is just on a completely different level. He's given up one earned run in 32 and the third innings of work this year, and uh, that, that obviously gives you a lot of confidence heading into the postseason uh, with such a strong rotation and a good back of the bullpen like Bergen has been able to provide. Uh, you, you feel pretty good about their prospects. And Bergen kind of reminds me a little bit. Uh, they're, they're different styles, of course, but uh, Danny Barnes, who was a right-handed pitcher, uh, he had a lot of success here in Double A, and his velocity was kind of low to maybe sometimes mid 90s. But the movement and deception on the heater uh, kept hitters so far off balance that it looked like he was throwing even harder. So uh, Bergen kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And as a left-handed pitcher, I think he's got a really bright future. Let's talk about your all-stars. Let's begin with Jordan Romano. Yeah, so R- Romano has. I think most impressively have been able to take advice from Vince Horseman, our pitching coach has done such a great job, even after he began the season as one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. I mean, Romano was so untouchable. Uh, They gave him a call up to AAA. He made one start in Buffalo. He got the win. It was like he could do no wrong in the first couple of months of the season. So even when he had a slight slump uh, toward the beginning of the summer months, it was, I was really impressed I was able to go back to the drawing board, not rely too much on what got him those great early season numbers, and work with uh, Vince Horseman to uh, change his uh, his break point uh, where he lets go of the bar, rather uh, removes the ball from his glove. He used to do it up by his head. Now he does it up by his, uh, down by his belt, and it's, uh, it's made a big difference in, in his deception. Let's group the positions together. The two outfielders, Harold Ramirez and Jonathan Davis. Yeah, so happy for Harold Ramirez, who had a down year last year and didn't have a great April, but ever since then he's hitting over 300 in every other month. And uh, for him, a 347 average in the month of July, 325 so far in August. He's just a talented professional hitter, and it's great to see everything come together for him. And for Jonathan Davis, I don't think we've ever been happier for anyone uh, to get the kind of recognition that he's received. Entering this year, he's 26 years old. He's got great talent on the bases, of course, phenomenal defense, but finally getting attention for what he can do at the plate. He made his first midseason all-star team this year, got to play in the Midsummer Classic in Trenton, and then to make the full-season all-star team is just great. We look back at his season highlights. His last game here was July 8th. A typical Jonathan Davis performance. He had a diving catch in the top of the eighth inning, hit a grand slam in the bottom of the eighth inning, Fisher Cats win 14 to two. He goes up to Triple A, and uh, of course he's the still the only Fisher Cat ever to hit for the cycle. So a well-deserving All-Star campaign for JD. One pitcher, two outfielders, three infielders. I'm looking at you, Juan Kelly. Come on, man. Kevin Biggio, <laughs> second base. Bo Bichette, shortstop, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Some guy. He's over at third base. That is pretty good. It really is, and you hear so much about those three names, of course, because of the family ties. But for them to all three live up to the hype the way that they have and so many different things to look at besides just the full-season all-star nod, but it's just a testament to their commitment, not just their raw talent, but how hard they have worked. There have been bumps in the road, believe it or not, for all three of those guys, and they've worked hard enough 
to get great consistent numbers here by the end of the season. Kevin Biggio still one homer away from tying Eric Thames' uh, single-season record here in New Hampshire with 27, and still within range of his RBI total. It was uh, 104. So uh, Biggio, Guerrero, and Bichette, I mean, th- they are all the real deal. I think you have to give Biggio the credit for the best breakout season. Bo Bichette always tells us he did not to expect to struggle at all when he came into double A, figured it would be just be smooth sailing like it was in single A, but to his credit, he has made the adjustments. He's put in the work, and his numbers look phenomenal. And, of course, uh, I think Vlad's performance speaks for itself as he continues to dominate AAA. I want to focus on Bo Bichette a little bit longer because I do think that there is that feel that you can look at Kevin Biggio's power numbers and his walk numbers and say, what a season. You can look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s anything numbers, right? And you can say, this is spectacular. And so it would be easy to look at Bo and say, well, he didn't follow up the kind of year he had last year, and maybe he disappointed. No, uh, Eastern League postseason all-star at shortstop says something. Yeah, anyone looking at just the raw numbers, I guess especially batting average and, and being disappointed by Bichette's season, um, that, that is incorrect. He, he has led the league and now Fisher Cats franchise record with 38 doubles this season, first in hits with 137, 85 runs, and 31 steals. Those numbers both lead the league as well. So you add all that up with 10 home runs mixed in, so he's really doing everything, and we almost never get to talk about his defense. And there's a lot of talk, oh, is he a shortstop? Is he a second baseman? He's a phenomenal middle infielder either way, and he's a big league middle infielder at this point uh, with his arm and with his uh, highlight real playability. So uh, not at all a disappointing season for Bo Bichette. Uh, phenomenal work all around, and I think looking back, he'll, he'll be proud of uh, the progress he made here in 2018, I think it's going to be a big benefit for him when he eventually gets to the major leagues, the improvements he was able to make here in New Hampshire. With AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats voice, Tyler Murray. All right, let's talk about the playoffs coming up. You're not officially in yet. What are your scenarios? Okay, so 11 games to go for the Fisher Cats here in the regular season. They can clinch tonight if they win against Binghamton and Redding. Uh, the Fighting Phils take a, take a loss at home to the Portland Sea Dogs. So the magic number is two to get into the playoffs, and it's nine to win the division. So the Trenton Thunder still hanging around, and the New Hampshire and Trenton have been uh, the one-two punch in the Eastern League for really the entire year, and the Fisher Cats have spent all but a couple of days in first place in the Eastern Division. So uh, it looks like it'll be the Blue Jays and the Yankees AA affiliates. It's just a matter right now of who gets that home field advantage. So we're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun race for first place in the East. Sounds good. LT underscore underscore Murray, Tyler Murray on Twitter. And the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, find them online. NHFisherCats.com is where you go. They're taking on the Binghamton Rumble Ponies over the course of this weekend. And they're at home at Northeast Delta Dental Stadium before they head on, on the road at Portland and come back home next weekend taking on Hartford. Tyler, thank you very much. Congratulations, too. You're my postseason all-star. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the great work, man. We'll talk to you soon. Beautiful. And from AA, let's promote ourselves to AAA. Let me bring in Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd. Pat, final weekend of home games at Coca-Cola Field. How are you doing? It's been quite the week so far, Jesse. It's, and I'm not looking forward to the home calendar ending, but... I know we're going to have a lot of great crowds this weekend, uh, some big fireworks shows coming up. 
big crowds to not only see Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but uh, the Bison's roster against Pawtucket. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a bittersweet weekend for sure. With your team, and yes, we talk a lot about the hitters, specifically Vladdy Jr., let's talk about the pitching staff. Because over the course of this year, your staff has changed over entirely. It has, and we've unfortunately for uh, Tyler and the guys down in New Hampshire rated much of uh, their pitching staff. Now, luckily, there's been more more arms and a lot of good arms in lower levels as well that have helped the cause for the Fisher Cats. But for the Bisons, the entire five-man rotation, by the time Chris Raleigh was designated for assignment and claims last month um, or earlier this month, once he was gone, the entire Bison pitching staff and starting rotation had completely flipped over. And I don't, I can't remember a year. This is, uh, you know, my 10th year in baseball. I can't remember a year where all five starters were all completely gone. And a guy like Sam Gavilio, Joe Biagini, they've been in the big leagues ever since uh, April uh, for Rowley and Dak McGuire. They were designated for assignment now in new organizations and for Ryan Barucki, he's doing well in the big leagues as well. So there's a lot of good, good reasons for that. And a couple where I think, um, you know, it'd be nice to have the options of uh, moving guys like Deck McGuire up and down uh, th- over the last couple of months, but that hasn't been the case. And other guys like Sean Reed Foley coming up in the middle of May or Murphy Smith, who was the Bison's uh, pitcher of the year last year for his work, both in the bullpen and the rotation. He's been a guy that's shouldered much of the load as well. So, there have, been, there have been guys that have stepped up, and it's been uh, fun to watch a lot of them on the mound. Let me ask you about your new-look starting rotation. But first, before we get there, have you had the chance to talk to Sean Reed Foley about his major league experience? I have, and he, even though he didn't get the results he wanted, he definitely enjoyed the experience. You know, so, some of the funny parts is that, you know, his sisters and his mom were, were over in Ireland, were over in Europe, uh, during his big league debut. And unfortunately for them, they were not able to go to Kansas city or New York, but they were able to watch uh, him pitch. And, you know, his dad was able to make it. His brother was able to make it. So that was good. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's great now that um, we're able to see baseball, whether it be our level or the big leagues, you're able to see it around the world. Um, Sean's family was able to stay dialed in. And even though he didn't get the results he wanted, um, John Gibbons has made it pretty clear that he liked what he saw for the most part from Sean Reed Foley and that there are still big expectations for the 22-year-old. And he, uh, he knows that, and that's something he really takes pride in. I feel like your starting rotation, naming the five currently, should be a sporkle quiz. All right, so there's Brandon <laughs> Compton. There's Matt Tracy. There's Jacob Wagaspack. I think Mike Hoschild. Sean Reed Foley. Who am I missing? Well, Unfortunately, yesterday, Matt Tracy went on to disable this for the Bisons um, to make room for uh, uh, Alberto Minio to come up from the minors, uh, from, from Dunedin. So Tracy's right now on the DL, taking his spot as Sean Morimondo, uh, a left-hander who was claimed uh, or signed a contract with the Blue Jays back in early July and has been rehabbing for a little while. Morimondo made his Bison debut over the weekend, pitched just three innings on a pitch count. So he's now in the rotation. He's throwing tonight for the herd. And yeah, if you were able to name all five guys or all six guys even, um, you, you would have gotten bonus points. It's it's been it's been one of those years. It's it's crazy, and you know, with September first looming, could Sean Reed Foley end up back in the big league sooner rather than later and open up a spot for somebody else to to uh, 
uh, make a start here. So there's they're, they're a five-man rotation now, and it could even change over the next week. Pat, your last name is Malacaro. I'm going to go out on the limb and say that maybe you're of Italian heritage. Did you have a chance yeah. to talk to Alberto, who's from Italy? You know what? I have not yet, uh, only because we had a day game yesterday, and his flight got in just before the game. He actually had to come into the ball game due to an injury uh, for the Bisons. But uh, looking forward to catching up with him today and you know, learning a little bit about his story. We can read about how uh, he originally signed with the Cubs, and this is his first year outside of their organization. Uh, but, yeah, definitely looking forward to catching up with Alberto and, and, and finding a little bit about his story. It's not very, very often that you find a guy born in Italy uh, that's made it to AAA or the big leagues, and uh, looking forward to finding out a little bit. How good was Gunnar Heights' play at first base? Uh, he has been very good. For a guy who really we only expected to play shortstop, we've seen him at first a little bit, but uh, you know he made a top play in Sports Center number six on Sports Center top ten list on Wednesday night, and he did a great job uh, diving to his right, first collecting the ball, then getting up and diving again to the bag to, to get the out. He's been very good and a very versatile player for the Bisons who have been beset by injuries a lot in the last two weeks. Unfortunately, yesterday, Tim Lopes went down with an injury. Reese McGuire dealing with a bad back right now. You know, added, added the fact that Reese, uh, Danny Jansen's in the big leagues and, and there's call-ups all the time. So uh, it's been nice to see Gunner be a versatile player and give Bobby Meacham plenty of options. How has Lourdes Goriel Jr. been? He was great. Uh, and actually, uh, just in the middle of uh, around the nest here, the Blue Jays announced that uh, he's going to be activated. And he is active now, and Richard Arrange is joining the Bisons. Uh, Goriel looked like a big leaguer. He was a guy that uh, looked like a big leaguer before he left Buffalo and became the AL Rookie of the Month in July before injuring his left knee and ankle. And it looked like he picked up where he left off. Uh, the, the month or so off didn't really uh, hamper him in terms of his ability at the plate. He made a couple of very nice big league defensive style plays at shortstop, and I'm sure he's going to be doing that again uh, as soon as tonight up at Rogers Center. Let me wrap things up by asking you, this is something I would ask Ben Wagner about each uh, year. Uh, Simply, when the rosters expand, which Bisons do you see having the potential to get called up to the major leagues? I think there will be a couple outfielders. The Bisons have three guys on the 40-man roster, currently two with Dalton Pompey being one of them on the DL. Uh, I think we'll see probably Dwight Smith Jr. because he's gotten so much playing time this year in the big leagues and he's um, been playing well here uh, since being sent back down. I think he's a definite for September. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Rowdy Telez, he's been hitting about 350 ever since uh, July and the power has come back a little bit this year. Um, I, I feel like if he is um, one of those guys that really could use the opportunity in the big leagues, a little taste of big league life this year, um, I think he could be one of those guys. Look, the Blue Jays really only have two catchers on the roster right now with, with Russell Martin being their somewhat everyday third baseman. I wouldn't be surprised if Reese McGuire, a 40-man guy as well, um, made it to the big leagues and give the Blue Jays a little more depth at the catching position besides behind Jansen and uh, behind Luke Maley. And then you've got a couple of pitchers like Sean Reed Foley that are on the 40-man right now and uh, could see September call-ups as well and probably will see September in the big league. So there's options. Danny Barnes is sitting in, in the Bison clubhouse right now. He's, he's got good big league time and has been in the playoffs before. So I think he's a definite as well. 
at PatWGR on Twitter, Bisons.com. Buffalo Home Lego Builders Weekend around Coca-Cola Field. Enjoy it. It's going to be constructive. Pat, thank you very much for checking in. Thanks, Jesse. And from Pat Malacaro and AAA Buffalo, let me bring in Jim Tarabokia, A Advanced Neaton. And Jim, let's begin with Zach Logue, who just on paper continues to look tremendous. How has it been to watch him? You know, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. He's um, he's pitching tonight for us as well uh, in what is, you know, a very important game. I think uh, pretty much uh, almost every game at this point, being five and a half back uh, with ten to play, is a must win if if we're going to even have a shot here at, uh, at making the playoffs. And to have him on the mound starting on a Friday night in Bradenton at Leecom Park where the Blue Jays historically the last year and a half or so have kind of struggled a bit to um, to win ball games. I, I think it's, it's huge. So, um, you know, he had a bounce-back uh, outing uh, his last couple of times out after he had a rough one against Daytona. And, you know, just to see him out there every t- every fifth day pretty much um, in his relaxed nature and, and um, kind of uh, – take away the noise that's around him it's really a a lot of fun to watch and uh you know we're hoping for big things from him um tonight but also the rest of the way the look that i remembered in lansing was mr relaxed it was like a californian living in an ohioan's body right 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 that's a good that's a good way to put it that's exactly how he is you know and i think i've said this before where um you know he was told he was uh, not going to be starting because roberto ozuna had to uh had to make a rehab start, and then uh, it was changed, and he was the starter again, and it didn't really affect him. And he went out that night in Lakeland and pitched um, pretty six solid innings where he could have picked up the win. So, um, you know, that's exactly what he is. He is Mr. Cool, Mr. Collected, very confident, and I uh, think that's uh, psychologically, that's really huge for any pitcher, but um, it really uh, works in his favor. You went through a stretch where the DJs lost 11 out of 12 games. How has it felt to be done with that now? Well, it always feels good to, you know, be back on a winning streak. And um, I, th- I think with that that streak right there, that, that not only hurt us, but I think what really hurt us as well is, is losing those couple of close games that we hope don't really come back to bite us um, in the backside here uh, towards the end of the year. So it's good to, to kind of get that out of the way now and, and – you know, coming in, having taken two of three from first place, Clearwater and Brainson's in last place uh, in the South Division in second half play. They're in fifth place overall. Um, you know, they're somewhat of a, a weaker team. They haven't been like this really in a while. Um, you know, they won the championship, uh, I believe, in 2016. So they really haven't been like this uh, in a while. Um, you know, so we have some momentum going into Brainson here. And, and, you know, things are looking up. Things are very positive. But, again, uh, it, it's one game at a time, and, and it's uh, pretty much almost like a must-win at this point. Let me ask you about your manager, Casey Kendall. How's it been like to work with him? How's it been to watch him work with the team? Yeah, it's been great. You know, it's first his first real uh, professional managing gig, and uh, it, it's been great to watch, and it's been great to see what it kind of adjustments he's made and the way he connects with these younger players, while at the same time also um, – while trying to connect, um, you know, sticking to his old school uh, mentality of, of doing you know, certain things that he feels will help the players develop and, and develop. And, and it's helped some, really, some of these guys. I mean, Riley Adams, for example, at the plate, um, you know, it certainly helped with Kevin Smith a little bit in his approach. It, it, you, know, good ba- you know, he preaches good base running and, and, you know, guys who are running the bases well and running the, and at times not running the bases well, he'll let you know about it, you know, doing those little things correctly, not – 
committing errors in the field, making the plays that you need to make that, um, you know, not giving way out that extends innings. So it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of fun watching him, uh, here the first year and, and seeing what he really brings to the table. And, uh, you know, we all hope that we can uh, have a shot at uh, working with him again next year. How was Aaron Sanchez in his rehab appearance? Yeah, you know, he looked all right. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it was his first uh, start back. Um, you know, he's still trying to get a feel for things. And uh, like I said, he, he did okay. Well, it, you know, it, it certainly is not the Aaron Sanchez we're expected, you know, to see. But, again, that's, you know, uh, working his way back here, you know, for, uh, being hurt for a while, um, you know, you're kind of taking baby steps. So the fastball looked, looked pretty good. The sinker was uh, kind of there as well, and that was that was uh, working better as he was moving along in, in his outing. So um, by all, all reports from what I heard from, from some people, uh, he, he looked pretty good, and um, uh, it was just kind of his first step to getting back to where he used to be. Let me finish things up, Jim, by asking you about one of your newer players, the player to be named later, Brian Baker, acquired in the Sumwon O deal. What do you think about the six six right hander? Well, you know, if he can harness his stuff, meaning if he can, you know, throw strikes, I think uh he has a lot of potential here. His fastball uh has some good cutting action to the glove side and um it sits in the mid nineties, touched ninety seven the other night in Clearwater. So he's got some good stuff. He just needs to limit the uh you know, limit the hits, limit the limit the walks and and really stay in control, keep it his command, and I think he's got a real bright future. Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays. Pleasure to talk with you. Pleasure to hear how things go on. And good luck to your DJs as now we hit the stretch run. Things do become must-win. Hey, hopefully next week when we talk again, we'll be uh, speaking about a possible uh, playoff run. Thanks, Jesse. That would be tremendous. Things get dramatic. Thank you. From Jim Tarabokia, A Advanced Needon, let's go down the ladder and let's wrap things up this week with the single A Lansing Lugnuts, and I bring in Dante DeCaria. But before Dante and I talk things through, uh, let's first hear some highlights from this past week's games. The Lansing Lugnuts were taking on the top prospect in Mackenzie Gore, who is considered by MLB Pipeline the number one left-handed pitching prospect in the minor leagues. Well, don't tell Samad Taylor that. A big left-hander, Mackenzie Gore, out of Whiteville, North Carolina. Steps back, leg kick, 2-2. Taylor hits it high and deep to left. Basabe goes back, turns around, and you can watch it fly to the face of the video board at the very top of Home Run Hill. It is Samad Taylor's eighth home run this season. Lansing trails 4-2. It's those hands, Jesse. His hands are so quick when a guy like Mackenzie Gore or even earlier in the season like Hunter Green tries to pump a fastball at 95-plus in on his hands. Taylor just says, yep, this is my pitch to hit, and he absolutely launched that one deep to left field. What a shot. That is world-class ability. And then the very next batter was Chavez Young. The 1-2, hammered to left field by Chavez. Back it goes. At the wall, it is gone. Back-to-back home runs for Samad Taylor and Chavez Young. Young goes yard for the eighth time. Lansing trails four to three in the third. Isn't that something? Mackenzie Gore entering this inning had only allowed three home runs this entire season. Dante, that was one of the highlights of this past week. The Lansing Lugnuts taking on one of the best pitching prospects in minor league baseball, and it did not phase them one bit. 
No, it didn't. And again, Jesse, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I'm the last one, so I guess saving the best for last. Isn't that right? So, yeah, I mean, they became the first two batters in Lugnet's history since Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit back-to-back home runs last year, which was almost a full calendar year later. And um, it turns out they actually hit it against Bowling Green and the Lugnets. Uh, Taylor and Chavez Young hit it against the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. But uh, it was uh, two very, very good swings by Chavi and Taylor. But I mentioned it on the broadcast in the highlight that we just heard. Taylor's hands are so quick that when Hunter, or even Hunter Green, like he did earlier in the year, or Mackenzie Gore tries to pump a fastball 95 miles an hour plus up and in or in on his hands, he's able to get that bad head in front of home plate to meet the baseball before it travels through the zone. And that's why he hit that ball so hard. And then for Chavez Young, he's been working really hard with Matty Young on improving his swing from the right side of the plate. So that was a really good swing. And when I talked to him earlier this week about it, I said, Chavi, do you think that that swing that you made on that home run ball is one that you like and one that, you know, shows all the hard work that you've been doing? And he said, yes, I've been working really hard with Matty. I want consistency from both sides of the plate. And I think that's a really positive note to make, that both of those guys had two really good swings, and Chavi's been swinging a hot bat from the other side of the plate versus at the start of the season when he was more of a, you know, a power guy from the left side. You go back a couple of days earlier, they were not the Lansing Lugnuts. How did you enjoy watching the Lansing Mighty Wombats play on ballpark baseball night? It was nice. I liked the logo. Um, I really liked the, the whole Wombat uh, um, the, the whole wombat thing. And uh, the Pablo Sanchez bobblehead really um, had a, a lot of fans just interested in coming to the ballpark, and all the fans came out, and they really enjoyed it. And I thought it was um, a really good success, and it all came down from Tyler Parsons, who thought of the idea. He's the Lugmas general manager, and uh, the players, you know, embraced it, and the fans embraced it, and the, the whole front office did, and I think it was a great success. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler with Dante DiCaria, and the two of us call Lansing Lugnuts games. The Lugnuts record right now is 75-55. and 55. They have a postseason debt set in stone. It's the Lugnuts and the Bowling Green Hot Rods. We had ourselves another playoff preview this past couple of days. Dante, this one did not go the Lugnuts way. Yeah, but wasn't it yesterday you were walking around the concourse and you went to talk to the GM of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Eric, and he said, hey, um, if the baseball gods serve right, if we get swept in this series, the Lugnets are going to sweep us in the playoffs. So let's hope that's the way it's going to be. But you know what, Jesse, um, I thought uh, we saw some positives from the Lugnets and uh, we saw some things that are going to have to change going into the playoffs. I mean, um, they were a little bit cold in terms of the bats, when they hit home runs, which they hit three in the series off, uh, two from Noda, one from Ryan Gould, there was nobody on base. They were solo home runs. And the Hot Rods' bullpen was phenomenal, and the Lugnets' bullpen could not keep the game at one or two runs. And I think that's really what it came down to. So going into the postseason, we all know that the bullpen is going to be key from both sides. And if Bowling Green's bullpen is as good as we saw in this three-game series, then the Lugnets are going to have a tough time. And if the Lugman's bullpen is not as good as just like we saw in this series, then, you know, it could be an early exit for Lansing. What else or who else stood out to you from the past week's worth of Midwest League action? Uh, you know what? I think Samad Taylor, again, we talked about it a lot, how 
you know, his hands are so quick and he's just feeling better at home plate. Um, you know, of course, he's only, you look at his average 238 or 233, whatever it may be at this point during the season, you go, ah, you know, maybe he's a repeat or maybe, you know, he doesn't move up or maybe he's an on-prospect. He's a prospect. He's a heck of a baseball player. He's batting over 340 in the month of August. And during the month of August, he's got seven doubles. He's got, you know, one home run. He's got a triple. He's he's walked like 12 times. He's got 55 walks on the season. He's got 41 stolen bases. He's just an absolute force, and he's such a great young player. I'm really looking forward to see what he does throughout the Blue Jays organization and in the future. Um, He's a guy that I've really enjoyed watching, but he's a guy that if you ask him, you say he's having a down year. Well, you know what? The 30 doubles and the eight home runs and, you know, the 50-plus RBIs and the 50-plus walks is uh, something that I look at and, and as a positive. So I think he's been a really fun guy to watch over the last few weeks. And then on the pitching side, you know, uh, Maximo Castillo has really done a tremendous job out of the Lansing Lugman starting rotation. I thought that uh, his last start was really good. His curveball was sharp. He had a good changeup. He's got good fastball command. Um, out of all the guys on this Lugman staff, he's one of the only guys that um, can hit the glove as many times as you ask him to. He's got good command, and he's only eight, uh, 19 years old. This is Dante DeCari. You can find him on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante. I'm Jessica Briggs-Strassler. That'll do it because we have to go to the ballpark and catch a bus as the Lansing Lugnuts are going to take on the Dayton Dragons in the first game of a four-game series. Dante, thank you. Thanks, Jesse. This has been another week of Around the Nest. We thank you very much for tuning in, listening in, subscribing in with the podcast. You can find us via Bluebird Banter at Minor Leaguer uh, Checks and make sure to post anytime you want to send in any questions. Our Twitter handle is at Around Nest, and me and Minor Leaguer, we co-work together. He does the majority of the work. I do maybe this and that here and there. But big thanks to Dante DeCaria, Jim Tarabokia, Tyler Murray, Pat Malacaro, Zach Helton, and Jordy Cunningham this week for giving you the updates on the latest news from around the entire Toronto Blue Jays organization, all of the affiliates, all the prospects, all of the postseason all-stars. We'll see if there are any more tickets punched into the postseason, how things tighten up, and what the next highlights and insights are next week coming up in seven days. For this week, that'll do it. Enjoy the baseball.